and of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that I find so compelling about Mark's gospel is how Jesus interacts with the religious establishment of the day. By this point in the gospel, he has healed many, and the authorities are starting to take notice. There's that incredible story of the paralyzed man being lowered through the roof, whom Jesus heals only to be accused of blasphemy. Jesus is then questioned for eating with sinners and tax collectors, and he's questioned about why his disciples do not fast like those of John. He has to engage them in discussion about plucking grain on the Sabbath, and he's healed the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath, which leads us up to this passage, where now he is accused of being in league with Beelzebul in order to cast out demons. Now, this discord and conflict with the religious authorities swirls around the issues of what is right and what is important. Human power and authority or justice, mercy, and right relationship with God? Now, on the one hand, I love this about Jesus. He's not afraid to call out the authorities for missing that what he is doing is the work of restoration. He's restoring health, but he's also restoring relationships, particularly for those who are outcasts, those who are oppressed, and those who are marginalized. Now, in this weekend of pride, I can't help but think about the intersection between this community and the LGBTQ community both as a place for comfort and safety, but also as a place for restoration. So as I've sat with these passages, I just keep coming back to Jesus's pronouncement about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Now, maybe it's because of my Roman Catholic upbringing, but you start talking about eternal sin and Jesus, you have my attention. So there are a few approaches to this particular statement, but in light of the reading from Genesis, can't help but be drawn to that web of relationships and how Jesus is continually pushing for the restoration of right relationship with God. Those in power, whose power is absolutely threatened by the work of Jesus, have to find a way and an argument to counter him. But In reality, they're just blind to the obvious fact that Jesus' work is that of restoration and love, and therefore, it's of God. Power and the fear of loss have blinded them to what Jesus is doing. My, how that echoes in our own time. Now, to be clear and fair, we must ask this question of ourselves. Can we be sure which side we are on? Are we eating of the fruit in the garden? Are we doing the will of God? Or are we looking at acts of restoration and thinking that they are evil? How do we know? 
and how can this help us in our own day, which seems to be so full of vitriol and a lack of discourse and love? If the religious authorities of Jesus' time could not see the reality of what Jesus was doing in their midst, how can we? We don't have Jesus physically looking us in the eye using pretty clear logic. We don't have God walking right beside us in the garden to tell us the rules and guide us right in our midst. How would we know if we are faced with Stonewall or Selma today, that our response would be in line with Jesus' quest for restoration of relationships and not that of protecting our own power and privilege. So as I've tried to ponder these questions of how we might discern God's call to us, I can't help but reflect upon my own time here on what this community has taught me about ministry and hearing God's call on my own life. More importantly, how we as a community seek to follow our own common call. I can't help but reflect upon the faithfulness with which you gather to participate in incredible liturgy, with incredible music, but it's not liturgy that's about yourselves. It's not about being flashy or perfect. It's about gathering together as the body of Christ, deepening relationships with one another and welcoming those who come through the doors. The privilege to worship with you, to pray with you, to be transformed with you and by you is something that I will always cherish. And then there are these incredible ministries that you're all involved in. Now, I feel like if I start to list them out, I might get the hook. But what has really struck me over these last two years is why. Your ministries are focused on faith formation, service to those in need, and sharing the love of Christ and the message of the gospel through the arts and through activism in an effort to affect systemic change in our world. Everyone, everyone takes prayerful consideration and reflection. Is this something that God is calling us in order to help show love in our community? Is this something that is going to affect change so that our resources will be used for the benefit of those who are marginalized? Can we help those who are ostracized to have restored relationships, and to know that they are loved. I hear those questions every time I'm here. Now this is acted out by every single person in this congregation, by every ministry, and by the body as a whole, which has both inspired and transformed me, and so many with whom you have connected here. Now, with all that said, we also must consider to face one of the deep truths of the human experience that we find highlighted for us here today in Genesis. Following God's will is about the choices that we make. They may seem simple, like 
whether to eat an apple and ignore the voice of the snake in our lives. But in reality, they are very complex. Like how to respond to our children being gunned down in their schools. How to compassionately treat immigrants. How to deal with the issue of mass incarceration and how it disproportionately affects people of color. How to live our lives in an ecologically responsible way in a society and economy structured around disposability. For me, this community has helped me to wrestle with the question of how do we share the message of Christ in our world that so desperately needs it. The message of hope, restored relationship with God, and with neighbor, and of course, love. And as, I've, as I have reflected upon that call in my own ministry, I can't help but see that call upon this community. There are such incredible gifts here to share, which you share with all who walk through those doors with both humility and love. I know. I've been both the recipient and the witness of them. And I have experienced the transformation that is possible through relationships with each of you. So when we ask the questions of how we can share this love more broadly and how we can reach those who will not walk through those doors because of being hurt or being marginalized by the church or have never heard the message that God is love. I see that beautiful tree that was at Pride yesterday. And for those of us who weren't fortunate enough to be there, a tree that was filled with prayers deposited from people from all over Indianapolis. That tree, unlike the one in Genesis, is viewed as integral to the fracturing of our relationships. This one carries the prayers of so many who walked together yesterday. And I wonder if that tree is now a beautiful symbol of what this community is called to be, a place where everyone is welcomed, but especially for those whom the church has historically not been welcoming. So I ask this question, is God calling us to find new ways of reaching those who do not walk through these doors? desperately need to hear about the love of Christ and experience that love through you. My brothers and sisters, thank you. May God continue to bless you as you remain resolved to strive to love each other and the world more deeply, seeking reconciliation and restoration by living out the gospel. I will forever be in your debt. And I'm so excited to see how you continue to wrestle with God's call on your lives 
in your community. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.